in our directory of worship for the Orthodox Presbyterian Church as it describes uh, the various parts of a worship service, one of the sections involves blessings. And we read the following, that the salutation and the benediction are blessings pronounced in God's name and in his own words. Accordingly, they are properly used only in a gathering of Christ's church and by a minister of the word. A salutation is the greeting from God to his people who have gathered to worship him. It is fittingly pronounced immediately before or after a call to worship. Words of salutation from scripture are to be used. A benediction, and this is what I want to call your attention to particularly, a benediction is the pronouncement of God's blessing upon his people at the conclusion of the worship service. Words of benediction taken from scripture are to be used. The high priestly benediction, which we know as the Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Or the Trinitarian benediction, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all are distinctively appropriate. If, however, the minister deems another benediction taken from Scripture more fitting for a particular occasion, he may use it. Well, we have one of those this morning. As we draw a close uh, of our study of the book of Hebrews, it ends uh, fittingly with a benediction. And so I'd ask you to turn in your Scriptures to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13 We've been studying uh, this book for almost a year now, I believe, and we come to this conclusion. Oh, there is a little postscript, which is kind of Paul's way of doing things. It's sort of that, oh, P.S., that, that you get at the end. We have referenced part of that already. So uh, we'll use this as our end of our study this morning. Uh, certainly encourage you to join us again tonight. We have another profession of faith by uh, Luke McCrory, and uh, we'll be looking at Pontius Pilate's question tonight, what is truth? But this morning, we're going to read verses 20 through 21, just those two verses. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. And all God's people say, Amen. Let's bow in prayer once again. Dear Lord, once again, we thank you for the opportunity and this privilege we have today to come and worship you. And we just ask and we pray for Pastor Bob as he delivers your message, your words, dear Lord. And we ask him to look on our hearts and our minds and that we could take these words and apply them to our lives and, and learn to live for you more. We just thank you for everything that you have given us and continue to watch over us. This we ask in your name. Amen. Amen. So we want to look at three things from these two verses this morning. First of all, that the blessing comes from God. And secondly, that 
The only reason we are receiving a blessing from God is because it comes to us through Jesus Christ. And thirdly, that the blessing of God only comes to those who are believers in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So I think you can see how that fits in with a profession of faith uh, this morning. That uh, we have this great blessing that now rests upon us as the people of God. As believers in Jesus Christ. First of all then that the blessing comes from God. And it doesn't really need to be extrapolated out a great deal. But it does need to be mentioned that he is God alone. That there is no other God. He is the only God. He is the only existing being that we call God. We say, well, aren't there other gods? Not in the sense of reality. Not in the sense that there are real gods that really exist. For example, in the Old Testament, we know that there were the Canaanites and then drew in the Israelites to the worship of Baal. And they had a whole religion about that. But there is no God Baal. Baal doesn't exist. Nor did the, the sun god in Egypt, Ra, exist. Nor did the Ammonite god Moloch exist. They don't exist. They aren't there. The only place they exist is in the minds of people. They're only thoughts. They're only imaginations. But they are not realities. Right? I, I could imagine myself beating Brady on a one-on-one, -on -one, but it's not going to happen. That's not the reality, is it? See, that, that's what these gods are. I, I could go to the top of a tall building, and I could say, I could imagine myself just jumping off this and flying. That's not going to happen, is it? My thoughts don't necessarily make reality. So men have thoughts about all sorts of gods, but they aren't real. They don't really exist. God alone exists. So notice, may the God of peace, the one God, the true God. We read in James chapter 1, verse 17, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. There is only one source of blessing, and that is God. Secondly, note that our author here identifies him as the God of peace. If this had been written in Hebrew, he would have said, the God of shalom, which covers every area of life, every aspect of our being. It's, it's not a compartmentalized thing. It's not just peace in some particular area. When one Jew would say to another Jew, Shalom, it meant may you experience the peace of God in every aspect, in every part of your life. But there's something unique about this expression. When the Bible uses the expression, the God of peace, it always uses it in the context of some turmoil. And the book of Hebrews has been a book of turmoil. 
right? There, there is some persecution that is going on. These Jewish believers that the author has been addressing are, are, un, are going through persecution because they were Jews who have come to know Christ, but now their fellow Jews who are not believers in Christ are beginning to, to persecute them are beginning to cause hard and difficult times. They're beginning to point the fingers at the Christians and say, hey, all the problems, it's their fault. Go after them. Stop going after us. Go after them. They're turning. But there is also in this book, as we read through it, internal turmoil. These Christian believers are, are although they're, they've committed to Christ, there, there is this, this inner turmoil of, are we right? Did we make the right decision? Should we go back to Judaism? Should we go back to the temple? Should we go back to offering sacrifices? Should we turn our back on Christ? In the midst of this turmoil, both external and internal, not only that, that physical persecution, not only that spiritual questioning. There's the emotional turmoil that's going on as well. What does this mean? What, what does it mean for me and my family? What, what might be the extent of, of this? Here comes the Holy Spirit through the author. And now may the God of peace, the God of peace, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 18. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. We've been reconciled. There is peace. The greatest peace that anyone could ever have is to be at peace with God. And that's been done, you see, as the author is pointing out to us, through Jesus Christ. He references that in verse 21. Equip you with everything good that you may do as well, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ. Who knows what today's date is? What is today's date? June 6th. I want a more definitive answer. You, pardon? D-Day. Now, we could have a student of history remind us of what that is. In case you don't know, June 6, 1944, some 156,000 Allied forces stormed the gates, the beaches, along France's northern coast. Some 4,400 died on this single day. 4,400. And yet we are told, and history bears this out, that this day, June 6, 1944, D-Day, in which 4,400 soldiers died, mostly before they even made it more than a hundred yards 
onto the shore. Was the turning point of the war that brought about peace. Peace never comes without a price. Without a cost. How did this great peace come about? This great peace that we have with God, who is the God of peace, it came to us through Jesus Christ. Notice the three things, then, that are mentioned to us. Now, may the God of peace, one, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus. Our peace is through the raising of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1. Having the eyes of our hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? What is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly places? What is that whole section about? The great power of Christ. In June 6, 1944, the Allied forces unleashed their great power upon that evil empire. God unleashed his great power in raising Jesus Christ from the dead to bring about a complete defeat. Of Satan's rule and reign. That we might have peace. This great peace. That is coming to us. As, as the benediction. Comes through Christ. Who is the great power. He's been raised. And he rules. And he reigns. He is in control of all. Notice the author goes on to tell us the one who has become the great shepherd of the sheep. By Jesus. The one with all this power. Yet, how does he identify himself? John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep. John 10, 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. The good shepherd who is identified in Mark 6.34, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. This benediction that we are about to receive, that we're about to get, comes through the God of peace. It comes through Jesus Christ. Through his great compassion. Through his great love. Through the sacrifice of himself. For you. For me. We're about ready to receive this. God's about ready to speak to us. This God who has wrought peace. 
through the power, rule, and reign of Jesus Christ. But he's not a tyrant. He's not a dictator. He's the one who has great compassion, who sees our hurt, who sees our greatest need, who takes his own life and lays it down. How much so? What is the next phrase? By the blood of the eternal covenant. He dies. He doesn't just take off a medal and say, well, you know, yeah, I kind of deserve this, but I'm going to give it to you. I'm such a nice guy. So that you can have this blessing. So that you can have this benediction. dies by the blood of the covenant, that eternal covenant. That's been the theme of this whole book. That's why this, this comes at the end of this book, and, and it's a reminder. Remember, remember the eternal covenant. If you need that reminder, go back and read all of Hebrews chapter 9 this afternoon. And, and he takes you all the way through it again. How Christ not those animal sacrifices. How Christ has entered in to the heavenly places, not that temple. Remember, these are people who are being drawn back to those bulls and goats, who are being drawn back to that temple, who are being drawn back into Judaism. And in that chapter 9, and now here, he says, wait a minute, understand that this great blessing of God, this blessing that, that the Jews understood that they heard from the high priest. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. Oh, this great blessing comes to us through the blood of Jesus Christ, not the blood of bulls and goats. Don't go back there. Don't go back there. Great power, great compassion. Oh, the great hope that we have. Because when we're done here this morning, we don't have to kill a goat. We don't have to kill a sheep. We don't have to go out of those doors and try to earn now our salvation. Try to earn our way back into God's graces. Try to earn peace. Try to say enough prayers. Try to do enough good things this week. Try to accomplish enough that God will in some way look on us and say, oh yeah, we can have peace. It's already been done. That's why we can receive his blessing. Not because we have to go out and now earn it, but because Christ has earned it. But the third point is the real blessing. The blessing is to believers. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant. Here's the blessing. To equip you. To equip you with everything good. This is God's promise. To give you what you need. To make you fully complete. 
if we are equipped by God, then we are enabled by God. Does God promise to equip us? Yeah, he's going to equip us. Brady, he's going to equip you. He's going to give you everything you need. He will supply it all. He provided the means of this blessing through Jesus Christ. And now by the work of his spirit, he is going to equip you. Give you everything you need. But that's the promise to every one of us as believers. Who acknowledge, who confess, who testify, Jesus Christ is my Lord. I am a sinner. I cannot save myself. And I look to Christ and to Christ only as my Savior, as my Lord. And I know that peace is possible with God only through the finished work of Jesus Christ. God says, good, now I'm going to equip you. I'm going to send my spirit. My spirit is going to equip you, give you everything you need. I think some versions, perhaps the old King James uses the phrase, to make you perfect. That doesn't mean that you'll never sin. It means that he will supply you with what you need. Supply with you with what you need for what? To do his will. That's what the verse says. He's going to equip you with everything you need to do his will. To do everything to please him. Not to earn your peace, but because you have peace. Remember how we often use the expression of the fact that, that one of the things, that one of the blessings that we have as God's people is that we are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Right? We come with these filthy garments of sin, of our impurity, of our pride, of our arrogance, of our lust, of our greed, of our hatred, of our anger. We, we come in these filthy, filthy garments. But Christ, through God's grace, gives to us his righteousness. We are clothed in that righteousness. We always... we, we and even I sometimes stop there, right? We're clothed in his righteousness. Glory be. I don't have my sinful garments anymore. But what do I have to do with those robes of righteousness? I got to wear them. I can't just let them hang in the closet. I, I, I don't want to just put a covering over them and take them out on, on Easter Sunday. I got to wear those robes. What does that mean to wear those robes? It means to live Christ's righteousness in this world. It means that I live as Christ lives in this fallen world. Go back and read that passage that Brady selected of Titus 2, 11 and 12. It says the same thing. i got to live this out in the midst of this pagan fallen 
sinful, immoral world, I have to live the righteousness of Christ. Not that I, I just live out, oh, I'm forgiven. No, but that my life displays the righteousness of Christ. That I live like Christ would live in this world. The blessing is to believers to be equipped, fully complete. He's going to give you everything you need to do his will. There is nothing lacking. It's not like God says, you know what? That one person down there, yeah, I saved them, I gave them grace, but I'm only going to kind of like half equip them. I'm only going to give them half of what they need. I want them to fail about half the time. God says, no. I'm going to give you everything you need. Everything good that you can do as will. That we can live out this righteousness of Christ. So that we can be used by God. That's the purpose. Working in us that which is pleasing in his sight. He wants to equip, he wants to bless us by equipping us so that we will do his will. So that we can be used by him. He wants to take us as common pots and to use them for his glory and for his honor. He wants to take us fallen, broken sinners and turn us into new creations in Christ so that he can make use of us. See, so often, and, and somehow or another this kind of sticks with us in the Reformed faith. And somehow or another, it sticks with us even. The more conservative we get in the Reformed faith, it seems like it sticks there even more. We just want to live in the guilt. And maybe one of the reasons we want to live in the guilt is that it's an excuse. Well, you see, I'm so bad. I'm so bad. I'm so bad. I, I could never do anything for God. I could never be of God's service. I, I just got a horrible past. Oh, God could never use me. I'm just a horrible, rotten sinner. Now, not when you're blessed. God himself comes to you and says, I'm equipping you with everything good so that you can do my will, so that I can use you. We of all people in the Reformed faith and the Reformed community ought to be those who celebrate this. This is the work of God. He finished it. It's complete. He doesn't leave anything short. The grace is full. It's not just amazing. It's full. It's complete. When you leave this place, God is going to say to you, God, not Pastor Bob, God is going to say to you, you're equipped. You're equipped to do my will. Because this week, I want to use you. 
I got plans for you this week. I got purposes for you this week. So quit wallowing in your past. Quit being distracted by the world. And look to Christ. That wasn't my illustration. It was an illustration from a guy who spoke at our granddaughter's graduation. Look to Christ. Move forward. Stop being in neutral. See, that's what this day means, Brady. That's what comes with this day. Is that God now comes to you and says, I want to use you. I want to use you in ways that, that you can't even imagine. And the greatest way is I want to use you to bring me glory. Imagine God coming to us and saying, I want to use you to bring me glory. What an amazing what an amazing honor. I could, I could have served the one living, true God. Yeah. But my sin, dun, 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 dun. Christ took care of that. But my gift, no, 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 I equip you. But I can't, oh, Moses, cut it out. Stop it. Listen to what I'm saying. Listen to the blessing in you and I. Whether we get it here from Hebrews, whether it comes from Numbers, whether it comes from a multitude of passages. When we leave this place Sunday morning, when we leave this place Sunday evening, God's word comes. God's word of blessing. Everything else in a service may be challenging. The sermon may be hard. It may be difficult. It may be, ooh, I don't like God dealing with me that way. But the last thing God does to you as his children, to you as believers, is he sends you on your way with a blessing, a benediction. Wow, the joy, the delight, the promise. Father, thank you for your word this morning. What an encouragement, what a blessing, what a challenge it is to us. And yet, Father, how uplifting for us to, to walk out of this place knowing that you have blessed us in this time. And Father, we thank you for those men and women who gave their lives back there on June 6, 1944, we thank you for their service. We thank you for their commitment. They brought about, Father, the beginning of a, of a long, long road that eventually came to peace. And yet, Lord, one day, one moment, one instant of time, our Lord Jesus Christ brought about an even greater peace because it's an eternal peace. Thank you. Thank you for sending us from this place with your peace.
your grace, with your love, with your equipping us to serve you. Bless Brady in that. We're thankful for today, thankful for friends and family that we see here join. And we pray, Father, that together, together, it's the body of Christ. We may do in this week that truly serves your purposes and glorifies you. In Christ's name, God's people say, amen.